everyone, and welcome to yet another compelling edition of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins, here to bring you a hopefully enlightening, hopefully engaging conversation with someone who is important to the world of independent music. And today, we have Bo Burchell, the guitarist of the band Seosin, who is quite a popular band. And I have known Bo for maybe 15 years. I don't know. It's been forever. It's a really compelling conversation. We got very deep one afternoon at his recording studio. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Let's get some business pleasantries out of the way. Then we can go about our our merry way. So visit 100 Words Podcast. Next month is my fundraising month. I'll be bugging the hell out of you because I need your financial support. I mean, I'm never going to like charge you to download this show. Like that's ridiculous. But anyways, I'll, I'll tell you more about it next month. But giving you a heads up. If you follow the show week by week, you know I've been hyping this up. So, But visit the website. You can email the show on the right side of the page. You can sign up to an email blast that I send out every Monday. So do that. Do those two things and I'll be happy. And also, thank you for the reviews. A lot of you have been rolling in to the iTunes music store and typing in some nice words about the show. I appreciate that. Thank you. And they've all been positive, And that always <laughs> makes me happy because anytime I get a negative review on there, I'm like, oh, all right, maybe I'll, I'll go back and not do the show anymore. But then I talk myself out of it and say, no, that's just one person amongst a sea of you who enjoy this show. A few other things before I talk about Bo. This is my favorite time of the year, springtime. I love it. I love that. And I love Christmas time. But this time in particular, because there are two sports I care about, basketball and golf. And this is all wrapped up into that. We have the NCAA March Madness Tournament. We have the NBA playoffs just right around the corner. We have the Masters, which is a this, the pinnacle of the golfing world as far as tournaments are concerned. And so I just get very excited about that. And I, I'm not typically a sports dude, you know? Like, I, I, don't, I don't watch football. I don't watch baseball. I, I appreciate the sports, but I just don't simply don't care about it. So that's why, like, this time is, is my time. March, April, and May are just kind of the the awesome times for me from that perspective. And then plus the weather's changing. It's getting a little bit warmer. You can spend a little more time outside. It's nice. I like that. There was something I was indirectly talking about in a previous episode that I I had to bring up again and basically talk more direct about it. I got a job offer to leave my present job and I decided not to take it. It was a difficult decision because it was a very awesome, cool, compelling job, something that I know would be challenging but at the same time, really fulfilling. So I had to say no to it for many reasons. But ultimately, the biggest reason was that the quality of life that I have currently, because I primarily work from home, I have a large scheduling freedom in my life because I don't have to show up to an office every day. And I just like all the stuff that I'm doing. And I felt, yeah, I would have upended everything if I took this job because it would commit me to going into an office on a very regular basis. And so, I don't know, it was just a weird decision because, um, you know, typically if I was younger, if I was, you know, didn't have a family, I would have taken this job like in four seconds. But this, I was like, there's so many factors that I had to weigh into this. And so, it was interesting. I felt uh, felt very much like an adult in the decision that I made, um, but it was it wasn't easy. But I appreciate all of you friends who I reached out to during this time to kind of ask for advice. So I appreciate that. So thank you if you ushered me along in that in some capacity. There's some really fun stuff that are happening over the next, like I said, few weeks. The show is uh, I'm getting some new stuff done to it. There's just fun stuff. So just pay attention and you'll see new things happening. So anyways, Bo Rochelle, 
to be abundantly clear, I have a business interest in Bo Bichelle. I manage his production career. So do with that information what you will, wherever that sits in your head. But, but I've wanted Bo on for a long time because he, uh, Sayusin is huge. Like they're, and they're still a very large and relevant band. And when they were capturing the scene in the early 2000s, I mean, it was unbelievable. And uh, I, I don't think that I can understate the value of the first Seosin EP that hit the world. It was unbelievable. It was totally a game changer in the way that people approached writing, for lack of a better term, like post-hardcore, hardcore, whatever you like to call it. And it, that the song Seven Years was just like, oh crap, like this is, so this is what people are going to be doing from now on. And you can still see the repercussions of that now. Like you could argue that the foundation of a lot of very successful independent record labels was founded off the backs of Seosin Sound and the bands as well. It's unbelievable. So anyways, I've always wanted Bo on the program because he was just, I don't know, he seemed so, um, I guess, unaffected by all the chaos that was happening around him. But at the same time, as he reveals in our discussion, he was very effective. The, the point that I'd like to highlight, we talked about him being an asshole. And it was really interesting because for a person to be able to look at themselves in retrospect and be like, I was a terrible person from this year to this year. It was just really interesting. And like I, I personally, I haven't gone down that road with any other guests because, um, you know, I just didn't know him as well as I do Bo. So it was an awesome chat. So anyways, without further ado, here is my discussion with Bo. So many things about Seosin and his life. So here you are, and I will talk to you on the other side. Chad was the one who suggested that you record Taken. Like, I think he was the one that was like, hey, this guy, Bo, he did this As Hope Dies record. Like, you know, this is like, let's go with him. And it was one of those things where it was like, because at the time, I'm fairly certain Sayosin existed. Like, you you had, you guys had already put out your first EP, I think. Or was it right around, or at least one song was out there. I don't know. I can't recall exactly. Yeah, I think I think we may have only put out like a little... It was like a, a one and a half minute. It was more like a three minute. It was like an actual three minute song, okay. but it consisted of like, you know, 30 seconds of each song. Oh, that's right. I the, it was like a teaser. I remember that. I remember that. But um, I was definitely of the mindset because I had never worked with a person like you before, like a person who is more than just like an engineer, because that's all that we were used to when we were going to double time to record. Right. And so... I remember the first experience being like, I can't remember if it was like fear or intimidation. I just remember being like, we're way out of our element. Even though we were showing up at your mom's garage, right. like like yeah. the surroundings weren't intimidating, but just the idea of just like, dude, like we're giving this guy like 300 bucks. Like, right. we're like man, well, like I feel like he could be doing more with his time. <laughs> like there was just so many, like I just felt inferior in so many different ways. But then it was like after the first day of us recording, it was like, oh, so this is how it goes. It seems like that's like one of your... <clears throat> strongest traits in regards to like just trying to ultimately make a band feel comfortable like recording like is that is that kind of like what you've learned is like the sort of defining quality like in all your recording experience like not even so much you recording but then like if you go into a studio to record oh yeah i always look at it as if i'm the artist what would i want mm -hmm. you know um pretty much in everything i do it's that way you yeah. know it's like even if i'm 
if I have people over for dinner, you know, it's like, oh, like, would I want someone to like offer me this or offer me? Then I always am thinking of that. Like whenever I have people over for dinner, it's like, I'm like playing waiter the whole time. It's like, oh, I would, I would definitely enjoy being full service right now. This is great. Sure. And I love seeing the enjoyment that other people get out of it. Right. Um, so yeah, and I think that carries over in the studio. So when I'm, when I'm in the studio, it's like, I don't ever want to treat it like, I'm the producer. They're the band. Like they're right. just wasting, this dividing line. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, wasting yeah. my time. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I know what it's like to be in a band. So it's like, yeah, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to feel uncomfortable because then all of a sudden you're not able to be yourself. And in the studio, that's like where you should be like protected from all that other stuff. Cause you're going to have to be in there like messing up on guitar or like screaming or singing notes out of tune. Right. And You'll you, be failing a lot. Yeah. And you don't want people to see that. I never really did think about it from those terms of just like going into a studio is definitely one of the places where it's like there, it clearly has to be a, a, a judgment free zone, even though there's so much judgment going around, <laughs> like it needs to be like silently implicit where it's like, okay, like we're making sure that the songs are, are being achieved, but we can't really speak about it directly to the person who's performing it right now because they're fucking up all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's, I I never thought about it like that, but yeah, I guess that's a perfect way of describing a a studio where it's like, Oh yeah, you're just, you're just going to show up and fail a lot and we'll hopefully get the best out of those failures. Yeah. This is the best failure you could possibly do. Totally. (laughs) You were, you were born in Southern California, right? Yeah. Born in, born in Newport. Uh, no, actually, uh, Santa Ana. Okay. All right. Um, forget what hospital it was. Sure. Uh, these are things, you know, I have a horrible memory. Right. I used to know what hospital it was, but, right. but that, it's, it's, it's okay. like, it, yeah, it's like in another couple of years, it's going to be like, <clears throat> I think I was born in Orange County. Right. Maybe. It's California. Start, right. California, right? It'll start eroding to the <laughs> yeah. point of like, I was born. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was born in North America. Right, right. I've yeah. narrowed that down. You, because you have a older or younger brother? I have a younger brother. Okay. Um, Grew up, grew up in Costa Mesa. Okay. Went to uh, went to the famous Newport Harbor High. Yes, um, the epicenter of so much music because it was. I, I remember because I was going to a small Lutheran high school, like in Orange, and it was one of those things where it was like once I started to like go to shows and see like the Orange County hardcore scene start to develop, it was I was so jealous because it was like I, it was me and two other people like me and Troy and Nick right. in our high school that was like in touch with music, but it felt like Newport Harbor was like. It was just spilling out, even though that probably wasn't the case. Like, or, right. I don't know. Maybe it was just like a because there's a larger student body, there was more people. I don't know. Did you feel like? Yeah, it was I'm kind sure of like, on a percentage wise, it was probably about the same percentage. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot. I mean, if you look at like cool bands that came out of like that kind of Costa Mesa, Newport, Irvine, mm-hmm. you know, Orange County area, there was a ton, especially at that time. Yeah. You know, even I want to say my first, first like kind of like hardcore or metal, whatever you want to call it at yeah. the time, I don't even know what we knew we were. Um, at the time it was, you know, with a bunch of straight edge guys. So we were pretty much a straight edge band. Right, right. Um, so we... Who, who are you playing with? Who, like what members that? Oh, uh, yeah. So it was, uh, it was me. Okay. Uh, Brandon Chapetti from Bleeding Through. Sure. Um, Sean Rosenthal. Yes. From Adamantium. Adamantium. Yep. Aaron Stone from Adamantium. Adamantium yeah. Uh, let's see. Jason Shockley. Oh, yes. I'm not sure if he went on to go be in another band. He did. I didn't, he just kind of always went to shows. I think he currently works at Mother's Market. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So did you, you play guitar in that? I did play guitar okay. in that. Um, and uh oh and then jason mcguy oh you know jason right mm, i feel like i feel like he went on and like 
did other stuff. Maybe played drums like with excessive force for a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. But I, I could be wrong. Right. And kinda, this was I kind of lost touch with a lot of Right, those people. Yeah. And this was like mid 90s, right? This was like Yeah. Right. Yeah, probably like 90 I was a freshman, so probably like 93. Right, right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, I guess 1972, you yeah, I guess, know, like <laughs> yeah, I guess technically the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, uh played in those in that band uh-huh. and uh you know and then from there like all those other cool bands like started coming out like i kind of so that happened and i remember i remember we had one show at like this we were supposed to play like a club or okay. like a bar or okay. something down in newport like kind of like on the peninsula and my my it, it was totally like our big break right you're you know like I mean? this is the show yeah and we had played i think we had played one house party you yeah. know, to maybe like an audience of maybe like 25, 30 people. Mm-hmm. And I think we thought we just killed it. We were, we were going to be the, the next Slayer, totally. I think. <laughs> I love, you know? I, I love, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because it is that era of confidence where you're just like, you, you, you no matter what, your shit doesn't stink. Yeah. You were just like, you're like, dude, we rule. Yeah. We made three people move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was <laughs> like somebody almost started moshing. Right. I swear every person in there was listening to us. You know? Yeah. We just, we killed it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, you know, so we, it was, we had this opportunity to play this bar or something and my mom uh, just like shut it down immediately. She was like, Bo, you're not playing a bar. You know, really? you're like, wow. you're like 15 years old. You are not going to a bar. There's going to be people. Is there going to be people drinking there? Right. Yes, there is. You're not going, you're not you know, it's like, I'm sure there's going to be people popping pills. They're going to be doing drugs, right. all sorts of things there. Like they're you're, having orgies. Like, yeah. Everything can go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is not going to work. Nope. Not. <laughs> they can play, but you are not going to play that show. Right. And I remember like, I don't know if I cried, but like it was one of those things where it was like, you know, there's that moment you get as a like a teenager and you're like, you're ruining my life right now, parents. You totally. Know? I am absolutely crushed. Yeah. Like you are... You are, you're just inhibiting my ability to like live life. Yeah. Like you're totally killing the buzz. It's like, I was on this, like this, like straight train to like success and you just totally derailed it right now. This is all your fault. Totally. You know? I was going to, I, I was going to be a star. Right. <laughs> Our you, band was going to be huge. Right. You, you completely pulled the rug out from underneath <laughs> yeah. me. How long did that anger exist in you with where, where like, how would you take that out on your mom? Oh, it's still there. Right. No, no. <laughs> No, um, uh, like, cause you, even though like when you tell me you're angry, like I, I legitimately, I mean, we've spent a lot of time together. I don't think I've ever seen you angry. So like, I don't know what that looks like. Uh, yeah. I mean, Is it, I, are you like passive aggressive? You strike me as that like, and not in a, a little in a, bit, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I can be very, uh, I, I use my anger and frustration as like motivation, you okay. know, and which is, which is kind of funny because usually a lot of the music, um, that I'm drawn to is mm-hmm. always has always been kind of like the darker, heavier, right? Like aggressive, angry, sad kind of combination. Sure. Um, which is usually some of those emotions that I'm able, like I connect with more. You right. Know? Just funny because it's not it's not like readily present in your life, oh, but yeah. you identify with that. Yeah. Well, I think that there's that I I identify with you on that because I was always drawn to to for lack of a better term like darkness you know it's like once you start to get i mean i remember when i was like whatever you know eight or nine years old and like super interested in like ghost stories and like the occult and like when you start to like appeal away these layers of just like oh my god like this is like really heavy stuff and like you you don't i wasn't an unhappy child but it was just such a it was a, a weird thing that you like 
kind of started to get into it. And same thing for music too, where it was like, oh yeah, the louder and more aggressive it can be, like the better. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, uh, I'm generally pretty happy, mm-hmm. mellow dude. Right. And I think because, you know, it's like, that was like my Monday through Friday. And then like, you know, you always like your weekend is like, you're right. like, oh, that's when I'm, those are the things that rarely ever happen, but that's kind of what makes it exciting. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like, it's not your standard default emotion. Oh, not at all. You can, you can experience these things in like in a healthy manner rather than just let it like consume you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that's always the, I mean, the fear, especially from like parents, like once we, you know, once you and I started to bring home like weird music, it's always like, oh, like, like clearly they're going down a path that, you know, our parents don't understand. They're going to yeah. try to block it in some capacity. Did your, did your oh, mom? Big time. Right. She, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember bringing home a uh, Pearl Jam record, <laughs> you know, like Pearl Jam 10 actually. Yeah. And I had to do this with all of my records that I brought home. I would have to sit down with my mom and like read the lyrics with her word by word word by word with my mom and it was like there would be a subject matter that was questionable and i remember instantly it was like i want to say the song was jeremy and, of it, and it was it was probably like track 1 yeah, on, yeah. The, on oh. the record yeah. so it was like and i think it was like within the first verse where it was like you know Jer- jeremy this or that yeah, you clearly know I and remember then it was like picking on the boys a harmless little fuck harmless little fuck yeah yeah and my mom was just like you know, it was like red lights. She's like, Bo, uh, no, this yeah. has horrible swear words in it. Right. You know, like you're not allowed to listen to this. And I was just like, mom, you don't understand. This band's awesome. Right. You know, like, I don't even know what the words are. I'm just listening to the guitar stuff. Yeah. You know? Oh, I, lo- I and, love, I love our kid logic. Like our, our young person logic where it was like, that's irrelevant to me. Yeah. I'm paying attention to the music and like our parents are like, whatever no. you're, you're, yeah. you're getting sworn at. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and what's funny though, is like, as that really was me though, like I never even, I don't even think I ever paid attention to the lyrics up until I was like, right. And until I was in, like, until I had started Seosin, right. I never paid attention to lyrics. I was just like, lyrics are just like, that's the shit you got to go through to Mm -hmm. like, to have a band. Like you can't have like a real band unless you have a singer. So I guess you have to have a singer so that you can like play guitar. It's it's, (laughs) like by default, we need to include vocals. This isn't my, this isn't a preference. Yeah. Right. If I could, otherwise then you're just in like an instrumental band and like, those are kind of lame. Right. No one's going to pay attention. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. So it was like, yeah, the singer was just the thing you had to have in your band in order to be like a real band. Otherwise you were just a band without a singer. Right, right. It's so, true. <laughs> so. and, and was the uh, was the overbearingness of your mom listening to your music was that that was directly correlated to uh, like religion and like Christianity, right? Like she was, yeah, yeah. She was, she's pretty pretty extreme, right? Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to say extreme because when I think of like extreme religion, I think of like ISIS, right? And, and yeah, like yeah. you know, like the Westboro she, Baptist yeah, Church. Yeah, she definitely right. was not Westboro Baptist, and she wasn't like you know executing people by cutting their heads off. Of course, right, right, um, right. right. But yeah, she's very uh, devoted. I'll yeah. say, you know, like yeah. in very kind of like, you know, if, if, goes to church every Sunday is very. Or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like has, I think she has like one or two women's groups throughout the week. Also, totally. you know what I mean? Like very, very committed. That's her thing, right? And uh, yeah, so I mean, but it was, it was, you know, and I understand, you know, especially having a kid now of my own. It's right. like, you know, it's like, yeah, you want to prevent your kid from being harmed in a certain way, but at the same time, it's like, man. Like you can only control that so much. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm not going to not let my kid play soccer because someone else on the kid like has foul mouth. You know what I mean? It's true. And that to me is almost at the time it was like, what do you mean? Like, I can't listen to this, but I'm allowed to go and hang out with these guys that are saying way worse stuff, you know, like, and music's what I want to do. Totally. Totally. I mean, you already ruined my opportunity once, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> so where where did the desire to because it sounded like you always wanted to like play in bands and sort of for lack of a better term like perform like where did that where did that nugget start to kind of like weasel in your head was it like when you know when you were prevented from playing your first show you're like i gotta I, like, I gotta get back on the saddle no i don't i don't think i've ever been like a hundred percent drawn more towards like the whole like i kind of equate like rock star side of things with like actually performing live some reason okay yeah. because i look at like the person up on stage as kind of like this like like physical item like an object sure um and i don't think i was ever drawn towards that it was more just like the creating music mm -hmm. um and I, I knew that like wow like writing music and expressing myself through music was more what i was drawn towards sure um and it was like, you know, same thing as having a singer. It's like, if I got to play shows to write more music, then like, then I'll do it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, because um, usually you, you see a live show and that's kind of like when the idea sort of congeals in someone's head where they're like, I love like, not even so much like, or maybe even so much like the pageantry and like, oh my God, this band's larger than life. Like, that's sick. I got to play in a band. But you were, that was like a function of the fact that you wanted to write music. You're like, I guess we have, I guess I have to do this. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was that bad, right. but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like, and, and it is funny because even to this day, like going, you know, like I think our whole career throughout Seosan, it's always been a thing where it's like, you know, it's like, wow, you're in Jakarta and you're playing to like, you know, 6,500 people and you guys are headlining, you know? And it's right. like, people are asking, it's like, man, are you nervous, Bo? And I'm like, eh, I mean, you know, it'll be, it'll be cool, you know? <laughs> It's like, you know, I'm like talking to my wife on the phone, you know, like, are you excited to play right now? It's going to be awesome, right? I'm like, I think so. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I mean, like, I hope it goes well. Right. My guitar's know? in tune. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> but it was always one of those things where I would never, and I don't really get stressed out very much either. You know, like in crisis, I'm very calm and I can figure out way out of things. Right. But like usually before we go on stage, it's like, okay, cool. Um, this is what's All happening. right. You know, and like my heart doesn't really get pumping until it's like, you know, and if you've been to a concert, you know, the, 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 the series of events that happens right before the band, you know, it's like you hear like this, the house music go down and yep. then the lights go down yep. and then there's either like a kabuki or something crazy that happens, you know, and right. then it's like, and then band comes on, yep. you know what I mean? So for me, like my heart doesn't even really get pumping up until like, I'm like on the stairs walking up to the stage, sure. you know, and, and beyond that, it's like, I could be eating a meal, you know, like maybe writing a thank you note to right. someone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, whatever. I'm just like, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm ready to do this. Just let me know when I got to go up there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then as soon as I get on the stage, then I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Right, right. Uh, then it all, like the reality sets in and it's like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then, so after you're like you, you, going to high school and, and kind of, you know, ex experiencing that, like you seem like a, a type of person that fit in with a lot of different like groups of people like you could you know hang out with the sort of whatever lack of a better term like jocks like mm -hmm. a stereotypical jock but then you would also be able to obviously like start a hardcore you know straight edge hardcore band uh is that generally how you are as a person or do you kind of like to try to find your tribe and stick to it i wouldn't even say that i was like friends with a lot of people in high school i probably had like less friends okay than you would think you kept to yourself um, in a way i just didn't really identify with a lot of people and i i also have a problem and maybe that's what maybe that's what's good about or not good uh, maybe that's a strength of me being a producer i'm always able to find the negative or like bad things about something okay you know so i'm able to pick apart the bad parts about a song and change it sure um and i think as i get to know people sometimes like i'm just always kind of like observing and seeing things you know and then it was like oh wow that was something really crappy that you just did like i don't like that about you 
Got like, it. I no longer identify with you. Right. You, know what you I mean? were, you were able to, uh, yeah. So you, for, you, you just kind of sat back and observed. Yeah. And then we're able to kind of move forward from there. Like to be like, okay, that person does seem like I could be their friend right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and also too, I think I, I was kind of, I mean, there was, I mean, I kind of don't even really remember a lot of it. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that was just cause like me not being that great of a guy. Um, I, I always tried to be good, but I remember, I definitely know that there's quite a string of uh, quite a few years where I can look back and be like, oh my gosh, what kind of an idiot was I? Well, you know? I, I, like, I, I was going to bring that up at some, <laughs> I was honestly, I was going to bring that up because you've, you've said that on more than one occasion and I find it, um, you know, I, I find it endearing because obviously it's like, it, you, you do have to reach a certain age where you're able to look back on, you know, you being a teenager or, you know, late teens, early twenties and be like, oh yeah, man, dude, from 20 to 22, like just it it would have been best if people didn't know me then or whatever oh yeah what was it like in high school and kind of leading up to like you know seosin or was there like pockets where you're like yeah man this time i was terrible and then i was i was i felt like i was in a good place and then i went back to being terrible or yeah i think i i think it was right out of high school i was uh, up through high school i was pretty good and then like out of high school into college i was pretty pretty good it i mean like thinking back now it was probably after like like maybe like a first breakup, like a first big breakup. Okay. You know what I mean? And then it probably was just like, screw this, man. You know Shitty what I mean? dude, like, here I come. Yeah. <laughs> Shitty dude, USA. Here we go. Um, and then after that, you know, and it's like when you, when you combine like not caring, you know, or, or like having just kind of like a negative, like when your outlook on life is kind of like tainted by something bad that happens, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like when you combine that with, being in a band that is starting to get somewhat successful and having, having all these opportunities arise to where it's like, you know, you're sitting in a, in a, a backstage area, you know, and you're, and you're constantly having people coming up to you and making your life way easier than it should be, you know, like, Oh, can I get that for you? You know what I mean? Can I, it's like, you know, this cup of tea is like, you know, one foot away from me. I could easily reach it, you know, but it's like, Hey, uh, you know, Tech guy. Yeah, right, hey, yeah. hey, tech person or like, you know, assistant, like, can you go grab me my tea? Like, I, I, you know, I would have to like lean forward to grab it, you know, and it's right. like that person sitting on the other side of the room. You right. know what I mean? I mean, I wasn't ever like that, but I definitely remember one instant where there was one time when I was sitting in like a, a couch and like I knocked over like a drink that was like by my feet and uh-huh. I knocked it over and then another person like kind of jumped up to like go clean it up for me. And like at that moment, I was like, oh my God, like right. I'm completely that dude. Right. You know what I mean? Like I can't even clean up my own mess. Like right. this is something has got to change. Can you equate that to a specific time? Like, was that like, no, no. Okay. That was just, that was just like that one random that, that, that was like one, that was the one moment where I feel like I needed to. It like dawned on you. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh my God, like I suck. Yeah. Like I'm a horrible person. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm glad that you're obviously so open to talk about this because I do think it is something that's so. It, it runs rampant. I yeah. mean, it runs rampant because obviously the style of music that we've been drawn to and choose to play is obviously all like youth driven, you know? So right. it's like when you're 16 to, you know, 25, those are the years where you start these bands or whatever. You have no idea what you're doing. And then when you're enabled 
right. to kind of be a shitty person, like nine times out of 10, even if you do feel like you've got a good grasp on yourself, you're probably going to go the other way. You know? yeah. You're probably going to be a terrible person. You're probably going to, you know, do a bunch of terrible things to girls or get super drunk or like whatever, or like head in different directions. Like, so what do you think was your, um, like, were you, were you doing all those things? Were you just being like a shitty person to like basically kind of everybody? Or was it like, you know, you just, you just felt, you just didn't even know who you were. I feel like I was just kind of all over the board, you know, like it was just, it was, I I don't really know what it was. Maybe I was like running from something or, Uh um, trying to fill some sort of void, but I don't, I don't really know. Right. You know, and like, I, I do, I do remember drinking a lot. Mm. Um, Self-medicating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But what the thing is though, is like, I, even to this day, I mean like, granted, I haven't had a drink in who knows how long, <laughs> right. but like, even to this day, like I've, like if, if uh, like, I can't relate to, to the whole like, oh man, I've just had a stressful week. I need a drink. You right. know what I mean? Like I've never been able to understand that. Right. Cause to me, like a drink was always kind of like, or any sort of like mind altering, mind numbing thing has always been something that is like, all right, man, like we're going to go rage right now. Mm-hmm. Like, and we just want to kick it up a notch, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so that's what it's always been like for me. Sure. Um, one of my favorite things now is like, if we go out to like, like a bar with some friends or out to parties or something like, I love being designated driver. Yeah. Like, it's like, like my, I got it. It's like my favorite thing now. Um, You're right. And so, I mean, I enjoy being, and I just enjoy being way more aware, mm-hmm. you know, of what's going on. Right. Um, and I think at that point in my life, part of me, and I've always had like a weird sick sense of humor too. So I think part of it has been that I had just enjoyed being at the point where I was like completely out of control. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. So it was like, I would go out and I was like, man, I really can't control myself right now. <laughs> like this right. is, this is you're like, I'm aware I can't control myself. Yeah. This is fun and exciting. Sure. And then like, you know, weird stuff would happen. Of course. But, uh, now I'm at the point where, where it's like, all right, I've done that. Now I enjoy being in control. Right. Right. <laughs> I enjoy being, cause the, and that's the thing too, where it's like, I'm sure at the, the each level of Seosin's rise to prominence, I'm sure there are just wide pockets of time you probably can't account for. You're probably like, oh, I don't really remember that time, like that time frame. Yeah, I mean, and and, and it sounds a lot worse than it is, but like I really do have a horrible memory. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It's like, well, you combine those two, oh, yeah. and it's going to be like, yeah, yeah. You're, all you're doing is adding insult to injury, where you're just like, oh yeah, that year tour cycle, like I barely remember that. Like, oh yeah. Because I forget, and also I was inebriating myself to an extent yeah. where it, it's not going to help my memory. Yeah. And it's funny because I've, I've gone back with like, you know, I've been, I'll be back to some of those places that we've been to and, right. you know, and it's like, man, this place looks really familiar. And, you know, and then Chris, who, you know, has still straight edge, you know, yep. and he was, he never, obviously by definition, right. he never drank throughout the entire right. time we were touring heavily. Right. And, you know, Chris will be like, yeah, uh, remember this is when you did this and like, you like got up here and like, right punched this person and then like dumped a bucket of this on this other person and right. then like decided to go be a jerk. And like you ended up coming back to the bus at like 3 a.m. like yelling and screaming because you stole something from this person. You know what I mean? And it was just like, <laughs> right. I don't remember that at all. You know, There's the like, laundry list of things that you're like, nope. Yeah, don't I don't remember, remember that. that at all. But I remember this door that we loaded in through. It's, right. it, that's all I remember, you know. <laughs> that's all. The... um. <clears throat> And so like, you you know, when, when you started Seosin, like you already had a lot of experience 
you know, with being like already being in the signed band and touring. And I mean, since you weren't because you correct me if I'm wrong, you weren't writing music for because what was the name of the first band that like you got signed because you were signed to Mojo, right? Like was. So, yeah, this band Cosmos Express. That's it. Yes. So after we missed our big break and refusal. Right. Um, I kind of like I got asked to be in this Christian band. It was like, and this is right when Oasis and Blur were getting huge, so it was kind of like a Britpop band. Sure. And the main songwriter in that band had a deal with Zomba or Sublime. Oh, okay. Got and it. so he got signed to to Zomb or Sublime, and then he needed a band, so he wanted me to be in the band. Okay. Um, and then we started writing songs, and then we did two records together, and then so I you, just, you helped write some yeah. damage. Okay, got it, got it. And he, and then at that point, um, actually on the second record, I started writing. Got it. With okay. Him. Um, and then at that point, I was just kind of like, I was getting more into bands like Jimmy World mm-hmm. and m- more things like that. Sure. And 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 I felt like, and and he was much older than me too. I think it was like at the time he, I was like eighteen. Mm-hmm. He was maybe like eight okay, or something, sure. you know, so there's a big generational difference. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I felt like I was, I mean, granted, and here's me being a little more arrogant again. I'm like, dude, I got my finger on this man. Like this, this Jimmy world clarity record, man, I'm telling you, this is awesome. This is the direction, you know? Right. And like, he just didn't get it. You sure. know, he was like, Oh yeah, the, the cool room drum sounds are cool, but like, I'm not really vibing on the rest. Yeah. yeah the yeah. rest of it. Um, so anyways, um, that came out and I was just like, dude, this, this is what I want to do. You know, like I can't really do this band anymore. I need to go do my own thing and do something like that. Got it. So I went off and kind of started and played in a couple or I started recording a bunch of songs for like my, at then that time was kind of like an in like emo type of very Jimmy world influence oh, band okay. called QB's headset. QB's headset. Yeah. Did you actually ever release anything or that's all? Um, I think I have a record recorded. Wow, um, dude. Never, never like actually never released, released it. to the world. Yeah. And was it all like your brain shot? Like you wrote it and like performed yeah, it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I did it with a friend named Nate. Okay. And then I believe at that point, that's where I met Zach. We joined Open Hand together. Mm-hmm. Um, we joined Open Hand together. And then I started writing some songs uh, that were supposed to be for like the new Open Hand record that was sure. going to be happening. And then I was playing them at rehearsal and Justin kind of looked at me, not Justin from Sales and singer of Yeah, yeah of Open Hand. Uh, of Open Hand. He looked at me, he's like, Oh man, that's a pretty cool riff, man. What is that? And I was like, Oh, it's just this riff I've been working on. And then instantly it was just like, Oh, cool, whatever. You yeah, know. Just dismissed. Yeah. And yeah. then that's when I knew that like I was never gonna fully be like a writing like this open hand would never be my band. Yeah. So then uh, me and Zach left the band and we started Seosin together. Did you, how long did you play an open hand for? Like a year. Okay, that's what I thought. Very short stint. It, and it was it, it was around that time too where it's like, I, I still um, like open hand as like a supernova band. Like I still can't really equate to any other bands that I've watched, like just this complete explosion of like everybody being interested in it. And then obviously like a complete implosion, like whatever, two or three years later. But it was like, I, like watching you guys play was one of those things where it was like, you felt like you were just like, oh my, like a whole world had opened up. Even though it was like the music that Open Hand was creating wasn't very original by right. like, I mean, it was original for that time being, right. but it was like, you could see all the influences. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a weird, like, like, did you get, did you feel it like being in the band and kind of watching the way that people were reacting to the band? Even though these were, you know, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to like blow this up, 
to like levels of grandeur where it's like you were playing for thousands of people. But it was like when you were playing Coos Cafe or like your rehearsal space. I remember seeing you guys at your rehearsal oh, space. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, there were 70 people in there. But it was, believe, well, you were at that show? I was at With that Shogun, show. right? Absolutely. Because oh, wow. Taken had... Because Shogun was on Goodfellow Records, and so right. Taken had oh, a, that right. affiliation with them. But I just remember, I, I remember every show where it was like, I can't miss Open Hand because it was such a, like I said, such a supernova. Did, yeah. like, did you feel any of that like while you were playing in that? Not even so much of just like, oh man, we feel like we're hot shit, but just like something feels like it's happening. No, well, I, I remember feeling like I loved the music. Right. Um, and I remember feeling that, because we practiced all the time, and we were trying to be uh, really tight. And like, you know, we want it to be a thing where people showed up and it sounded awesome. Right. We practiced all the time. Right. And I remember playing with open hand and every time we would play, like we would feel like we killed it. Yeah. Even though every single time at the end of the show, Justin would be mad at us, you know, because it was like, dude, you guys got to stop going off so hard. And like, that was like the word at the time was like going Going off. off, Right. Right. So you guys got to stop going off so hard (laughs) because you missed like six notes. You know what I mean? And it was just like, you know, but I mean, a lot of respect for that because I mean, that's part of where, you know, like I started gaining the desire to like play perfectly, you know, or as best you can. And it's not just all about going out there and like, yeah, throwing your guitar around your head. Yeah. yeah. Like there comes a point where it's like, I love at the drive-in. Yep. But it was like, at some point, it was like, I watched them play at a bowling. Remember, uh, did you ever see them? I saw them in Costa Mesa at Kona Lanes. Oh, Kona Lanes. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember them playing there. I think I saw them, because it was right before In Casino Out. I saw them at like, they played a house party in Long Beach. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, what are you doing? Like, yeah. And it was like, okay, I, I, I've heard these songs before, and this is nothing like what they sound like. All. Like, you're just throwing your guitar around. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, there was that that balance between, like... But then I remember I still left leaving that show being like, that's the best band I've ever seen. <laughs> totally. I, I, am, I am absolutely affected by this. Yeah. I also remember this is something super random, but I think, you know, relevant, was I remember when, when Sayosin obviously started to, um, you know, when the music started to get out there, um, it... it it's so weird how these things like stick out in your head, but I definitely remember getting the Fiddler Records sampler when Taken was on tour and we had, I think we picked it up at like Warp Tour in New Jersey. And I just remember we were all excited because we obviously, I think at that point, like we knew we had already recorded with you, whatever, there was a relationship. So we were excited about the first actual music. And I remember all, like everybody in Taken and our our, our crew, our, right. our, our, our merch guy sitting in the van, listening to Seven Years and just being like, like in honestly in stunned silence like we were just like oh so this is what's happening now like it, it it really did feel like it was like a changing of the guard in some respects where it was like oh so like they've taken like the aggression of whatever punk and hardcore and you know moved it up a notch from musicianship wise and then also like oh yeah this dude that's singing with them can really really sing <laughs> right. and hit notes that we've never heard before right as you were putting those like first songs together and like as you started to record that stuff like did you did you have those feelings inside yourself like not even for, so much from like an arrogant standpoint but just like i feel like we keyed into something with these like five songs because i'm sure you had like 400 million ideas shuffling around in your head as far as like say and songs mm-hmm. um so did you feel that like that sort of specialness with those songs in that first ep yeah um like i said and like not yeah, not yeah. from an egotistical manner but just like no yeah i mean like i'm it's funny because every every band i record i always try to tell them like 
you know, like when you, when you hand out your, you know, at the time, right. your demo, <laughs> totally. um, your burn CDR, it's like, right? yeah, you, you've got one shot, you know what I mean? And you can't, your record doesn't come with like a big disclaimer on it that like people read before they listen to your record. And it's like, oh, well, we only had two days to do this. And, uh, we spent, <laughs> right. we spent a hundred dollars and, uh, the vocals aren't that great. Cause we only spent an hour and the singer had his voice blown out. Right. So, you know, just if you could grade it on a curve, you know, or what the handicap is for that, you know, just kind of even it out. Right. Um, it's like, it doesn't come with that. You get one shot and it's like, if they hear it and they don't like it, then your band sucks. Right. You know? So yeah, it was all about putting our best foot forward. You know, we had a bunch of songs, but those were the five that I felt like would represent the band the best, Mm -hmm. um, as far as what we wanted to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, like when we were doing them, I was like, I'm proud of these, Yeah. you know? And it was, exactly what I try to tell everyone else that I record to. It's like, man, you've got, you want, you want to be able to finish your record and hand it to someone and you don't care if they're like into your genre or not. Mm-hmm. And you want to say, this is my band. Mm-hmm. Check it out. I don't, right. I don't care if you like it. Cause I think it's awesome. <laughs> right. Right. And that's what, and that's pretty much what it was. Right. That was the spot that you guys that yeah. felt like you hit. What was your, uh, your, what was your first show, like live show from Maseo Sin perspective? Like, did you guys play it or was it showcase? Po- po- oh, was it showcase? Okay. Yeah, it was. For, did I, you guys headline the first show? No. Okay. Um, I felt real bad though. Right. Um, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think it happens. We got, we got, I, th- I want to say I could be wrong and Chris would know better than me because he has much better memory. Right. Um, and our first show was at Showcase Theater, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say we played with Noise Ratchet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that band. And yeah. uh, first show ever, we got put on three out of four. Sure. At a sold out show. Right. We played, and I think there was maybe like 100 people left oh. to watch Noise Ratchet. Right. And it was, it was, I, we felt real bad. Well, of course, yeah. But I mean, that, that was nothing that you. But at the same time, you know, at that, you know, there is like that kind of like arrogance about it. it was like, yeah, man, that's right. You know what I mean? Totally, totally. Like, yeah, we just killed it. We just did that. Yeah. Right. This was our first show. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. yeah we're going to be huge. Right. You know, like. <laughs> totally. Because, um, yeah, I remember whatever it was. You, I mean, you're like, your probably first dates on the East Coast. Like, we played with you guys in like Philly. Yeah. Like at the Owl's Cove, I think. Like, I just oh, remember wow. it was like Temple University right. or something. I just remember being like. We got out of that show and it was like, oh, like, oh, save us. And I was like, oh, this show should be pretty good. And it was like, oh, wow, like 350 kids. Like, what the fuck? Like, this yeah. is crazy. Oh, was that with, uh, that was at the university, right? Yeah, yeah. And what was that other band that was fucking awesome? They kind of sounded like Dillinger almost. Um, there was a bit, we, I think we were on tour with The Rise at the time. I can't remember who we were on tour with, but I can't remember. And I can't honestly can't remember who else played the show. Okay. But so that you remember another we'll, band. We'll have that, to look it up. Yeah. Okay. Like, and for whatever reason, I'm just remembering them now. And I remember their drummer was so awesome. Right. Right. And I remember getting their EP and I was just like, this, oh, is, oh, this is awesome. The Minor Times. Minor Times. The Minor Times. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. No, that band was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I remember us all watching that band and we were like, whoa, what? Dude. Like, yeah, whoa, yeah. These whoa. dudes slay. Yeah. Um, and at the, I, I'm sure at that point too, like basically everybody from a business perspective was like talking to you guys and throwing their hat in the ring and like wanting to do. Yeah. 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 Was it, um, was it overwhelming for you guys? Uh, not for me. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you're a pretty even killed guy. <laughs> well, as well as I had the, if, if it would have been up to me, I would have released all of our records myself because I had no reason to go to a label mm-hmm. unless it was going to be a thing where it's like, 
we really want to put your record out and like we love it so much that you could probably retire after how much money we're going to give you. Um, <laughs> right. Here, here's not six figures, not right. seven figures. Yeah. Here's eight figures. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> right. So, I mean, for me, it was, it was like, why would we sign with a record label? They're just going to take 80% of everything. <laughs> right, right. And like, I have a, stu- I'm like, guys, are you guys not aware that I have a studio in my mom's garage? <laughs> make it, like, we can make records forever here. <laughs> I can just, um, we just continually yeah. release records. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so yeah, I was just like, yeah, you know, like we can do everything ourselves, you know, like we could film, like we don't really need any big budget video thing. We already had a friend coming out and like making little videos for us that kids loved. Right. So it was like, I don't really see a reason for a label. Right. So from your perspective, it, that's funny. Cause I never knew that that was your, like your own personal mentality where it was like all this stuff was swirling around you and you, because we're just, you were like, well, we can just do this ourselves. Well, yeah, that, and, that was, and, and and to be clear, like I, that that was not really a mentality of bands at that juncture. Oh no, no, at all. Yeah, it was like you had to be on a label. You had to and to to feel like you quote unquote made it. Absolutely. Like you, if you were if you were unsigned, then you were just you were just an unsigned local band. Yeah, you were a demo band. Yeah, it didn't yeah. matter. Right. Yeah, and then as soon as you got a, a deal, then it was like, whoa, they're real now. Absolutely. Overnight. Yeah, totally. You're just like, oh, this is a legitimate thing. Like yeah. someone else is spending money on this band, yeah. therefore making them legitimate by default. I think at two, I think at that point there was two things that made you legitimate. Like if you if you were on any label. Yep. And then three, um you could be judged by how good like your road cases were. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You're like, oh damn. Or like or if you obviously you had a you had a rack. Yeah. You're like, yeah, oh dude, rack. you got a rack tutor? Oh you got like a three space? <laughs> Holy shit. Like yeah. And that was, what's funny is that was part of the other thing that like went into my equation. It was like, dude, we already have killer gear. Right. <laughs> like, like we don't need a label to give us money to buy gear. It's like, we already have cases for everything. Right. We're already, <laughs> we're, we're pretty, guys, guys, we're set. We're pretty set. I don't know if you <laughs> yeah. realize that. Like, what else do we need? <laughs> were you the only one that kind of had that mindset? In Probably. The band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I know, I know that like, uh, I know other people in the band were coming from the mentality of like, no, we need, we, like, need, a we need a label and we need a real manager. Right. You know, like not one of our buddies. It's got to be somebody that like represents like, right, like right. Stone Temple Pilots or somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Yeah. This big manager. Cause it's like, how are you supposed to deal with a record label if you don't have a big manager that, that they respect? You know, right, and it's right. like, I don't need any of those. Right, right. You know, like we're doing fine as we are. <laughs> right, right. That's funny. That's funny. Um, and so that it, it, do you, uh, I mean, cause obviously then, and then, you know, once Anthony left the band in a dramatic fashion and left you guys quote, right. quote high and dry from that perspective, it's been well documented. So I'm not going to right. belabor that point, but the, um, you know, once Cove stepped in and you guys obviously started like labels were still completely interested in everything you were doing. What was the weirdest sort of like, um, anecdotal stories that you can remember of just like, this is like, this label is like, not even so much like, it's just a surreal moment where we're just like, oh, we're sitting in this steakhouse with like all of this record label, like trying to court us and stuff like that. Yeah. Or was that, were those moments kind of lost on you? Cause you were just like, Wait, I just wasn't that interested or engaged. I wasn't that interested. And like, I think probably some of the other members would be excited about that type of thing, you know? Cause right. I mean, like, even for me, it's like when we would go to some of these famous venues, you know what I mean? It was like, I remember specifically like our, our drummer is like full on like, sports and like okay. 90s hardcore encyclopedia he's like sure. 
you know, right. I think he has like a hundred percent of like the entries in Wikipedia. Right. Right. You know? right. Like, His retention on those two subjects is it, unparalleled. It's, it's pretty insane. Right, right. Yeah. If you, if you, if it's like, uh, Hey, who was like the, uh, you know, whatever, like, like, a I don't, I don't know football very well, but like, who's one of the, like the, the dudes on like the linemen that like <laughs> the defensive tackle. For, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like defensive tackle that like nobody knew about for like the 1987 Seahawks. You know, it's like, Oh dude, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like Steve Butterworth. Right. You know, right. Like, Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. He went to, he went to like Florida state university. Right. Oh, his high school career was fantastic. He had 75 touch. And you're just like, dude, how do you fill your mind with that much garbage? Right. Like, right. Yeah, so, it just rattles it off. Yeah. So he was really excited but yeah, about it. So we would go to venues, you know, right. and like he would be like, oh, dudes, guys, like, man, like, dude, DC 930 Club, man. Like, this dude, is this where is, it began. This is, this is it right this here, is the man. Epicenter. And I'm just like, cool. Like, what Like, what happened here? Like, was there a shooting or something? Like, <laughs> right. like what, like something, like something important or like right. crazy must have happened, right? It's like, man, you don't know. Dude, it's like Fugazi, dude, DC Fug- hardcore. Yeah, they played here. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, how is that going to help me right now? Right. Well, the fl- well uh, I guess to flip the question, then what did get you excited? Like, what, what was that an exciting time for you? Well, actually, I would say that, well, in leading up to that story, yep. uh, you know, people were, other people in the band would be excited about these kind of like, you know, play, things that we were getting to experience. Sure. Uh, meanwhile, I was getting wrapped up in like the whole, like being an idiot, you right. know, um, like I wasn't really that into those types of things it's like oh great another freaking stupid label meeting, meeting right, thing right. you know it's Trying like i just sweeten the pot yeah right, yeah um and i remember specifically one of those times uh and our band was real mad at me i think we had a meeting with like island def jam okay yeah and uh we played new york and then i had recorded the first bronx record too right so i was friends with those guys they were in new york same time they we ended up uh, meeting up with them the night before our meeting with this Island Def Jam. And I think they had like the Island Def Jam, like credit card or something like that. Right. So that we went out with them and like, I think we, en- I ended up staying out drinking and like doing a bunch of like, bad stuff with the, the Bronx dudes and then stayed up till like 7am or something like that, you know, got back to our hotel and then it was like, I had to be at like a 9am meeting mm-hmm. with them showed up to that meeting just like looking like hell right and then i remember about like five minutes into the meeting i like grabbed the dude's trash can like started puking in it you know because i was like all hung over and just still kind of drugged up of course and like i remember a band just being like super mad at me like are you fucking kidding me bo you know what i mean you're Um, doing this to us you're yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's crazy i Um, I, yeah that's uh, but yeah so so to answer the question i was just like totally i just don't care you know i was like i was like if they like our music, they're going to sign our band. Like, why do we have to do this dog and pony show? Right. Yeah. You were, yeah. It's it. You were, you were just very much of a a very simple mindset. Yeah. Of just like let's like let's cut to the chase. Like right. Let's let's just do this. Let's react. Like I just want to get to writing and recording and like doing right. the things that you probably enjoyed the most, which right. is the creation of it. And so then as like as you started to kind of have more clarity about you know probably the band and then your life outside of the band. Because you, you were always a person too, where it's like you yourself have had many friends that can't transition into real life, like have no right. real quote unquote marketable skills besides right. like, you know, getting on a stage and, you know, jumping around for 40 minutes. I, I personally never had like placed those concerns. Like, cause you, you know, you, you, when you meet people, you're just like, oh man, like I hope that they get their shit together. I like know. I, you, we run across that all the time, but I never had that concern about you. Did you 
have any sort of clarity like once the band started to you know the the quote-unquote downswing and we can obviously talk about like the second lp because i think there's so many fascinating stories in there did you have a clarity on just like well yeah if this band starts to fade away like i'm i'm just gonna record like you were you were never like was there any like fear inside of you from that perspective no um it was always a matter of i wish that the band would slow down so i could go back to recording (laughs) I love, I love it where it's just like everything is like completely counterintuitive. Like yeah. every other band member person would be in your situation, be like, oh, dude, totally soak it all this up. And you were just like, oh, like, that'd be cool if I could like fit like three months in here to like record yeah. a record. Like, so you, you, there was never any fear. You were just like, it was like, I'm just going to ride this out for what this is and then be able to. Yeah, because I was very uh, logical about it. I was like, dude, it's a rock band. <laughs> like, like you're it's like. And the type of music we're doing, there's no way I can do this when I'm like 60. Right. Like we're not like the Rolling Stones. Like, like even if our audience doesn't grow with us and we keep getting younger and younger fans, Mm -hmm. like a 16 year old kid is not going to go want to go watch a 60 year old man try to wheel around in a wheelchair on stage singing screamo music. Totally. Like our band has a a extreme shelf life. Right. Um, You know, so like to me, it was very like, you know, we're going to do this for a while. This is music that I like right now. Right. And like at some point, you know, maybe we'll write different music or maybe I'll just do a new band. Right. You know, Um, so I think that we were I was extremely like surprised and like grateful for how long we've been able to do it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, in no way was it like a thing of like, oh, dude, I'm in a band. This is who defines this is what defines. Although it kind of was for a while. Sure. Probably when you were in the asshole phase. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and even still to this day, like I still like I think you're like on one of like your contacts, you know, it's like Ray Taken. Of course. You know what I mean? And oh, it's yeah, always, always like, yeah. and it's always like, Hey, what's up, man? It's Bo from Sayosin. Of course. It's like, uh, Oh, Hey, what's up? You know, it's like, Oh, you'll be talking to someone on the phone. It's like, yeah, it's Bo. And they're like, yeah, cool. Okay. How you doing, man? It's like, Oh, it's Bo from Sayosin. They're like, Oh man, oh, what's dude? up? Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, so but yeah, I, I never, yeah, you're always defined by like whatever the quote unquote biggest thing you did is or right. whatever. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I never thought it would that was like, there was no fear of like, man, I hope this doesn't stop. It was almost like I want it to take a break. <laughs> because so I want to focus on I want to focus on recording. Right, right. Um, there's a, you've told me some interesting stories in the past in regards to uh, your, you know, your second LP. And like, because at that point, there was obviously so much pressure on you guys to like this previous record sold. Right. So like, dude, we got to make this one like, you know, a banger times two. Right. And you guys were thrown into so many situations that you had never experienced before, like co-writing and all that other sort of stuff. Um, you know, walk me through some of the, the the weirder moments in that that obviously made you feel uncomfortable. Um, that was like because I, I think so many people don't obviously get a sort of peek behind the curtain from that perspective. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, yeah, walk me through some of the more like you know defining moments in your head where you're like, so we're going to do this? Like, this is what we have to do right now? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So for our, for a second record. Um, well, it kind of goes back to our, our first full length. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it with Howard Benson. When we went into the studio, we did it kind of the same way we've always done things. You know, it was like we wrote, you know, like 12 instrumentals that we thought were rad. Right. And then it was like, well, now it's time to put vocals on them. Right. Um, <laughs> and the problem was um, Anthony was able to just come in and like spew out stuff out of his mouth and it would just we would all sit there and be like this is awesome right you know like this is so cool yeah you nailed it um and and what's funny too is like fast forward like you know 15 years later like we're doing that again and right. it's like that's what's happening you know <laughs> yeah you're like so, oh so you haven't changed at all yeah oh you can still do that oh, great it's like incredible yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah. 
so anyways, yeah, we would these instrumentals and like now it's time to put vocals on it. Right. And, you know, so we had these instrumentals and we thought Howard Benson was going to do all this stuff to like turn us into like a, a real band type <laughs> right. of thing. Right. But he didn't really do anything. So he just kind of engineered did, it in a way? He, well, I mean, I mean first thought, yeah, I mean, he doesn't even do anything. He goes into the, like his booth with the singer right. and like hits the singer against the band so they can try to get these. Yeah. Weird dynamics. Yeah. Producer sure. psychology stuff. Right. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so his engineer basically just recorded us doing the same thing we would have been doing in my garage. Right. Um, expect, except we spent like $400,000 on it or something. <laughs> right. And, you know, yeah, yeah. and then it's like, you know, there's all these other like assistants and assistant assistants at the studio that like, you know, when it times comes time to go to lunch, like, mm-hmm. and then you look back at the invoice, you're like, oh wow, we were paying for their $14 sandwich every day. Of like, course. right. I didn't even see this dude do anything, but I bought his lunch for three months, you know? <laughs> Right. Um, so anyways, uh, so we felt like the only thing that Howard was good for was helping Cove, you know, like kind of like put together the vocals. Sure. Coach um, along. Yeah. And so when it came time to do our second record, we agreed with Howard that we would produce the music ourselves and then send Cove up there to do the vocals with him. Got it. About a month before it was time for us to do our record, Howard backed out. Um, and he was like, I need my team. You know, I'm scared to do the record, like, without my normal, like... The way that it's normally done. Yeah, without his thing, you know. He's like, there's too many safety nets that I need, you know. And he's like, you guys aren't going to know what to do. Like, you don't know how to record this. You don't know what you're doing. Wow. You know, and I was just like, all right, whatever, man. Right. So then we had about, like, another... So then that's when we decided to go into Hurley, and we were like, we'll just document this whole thing. Right. Like, and we'll kind of, like, make it a thing. So we did that. Handed in our record... And at this point, we, so let me step back a little bit more. When we signed to Capitol, there was a guy there, Ron Lafitte and Louis Bandek, who signed us there. Both those dudes kind of saw us for what we were, Mm -hmm. you know, like granted, I thought it was like the best compliment ever, um, which I don't think we ever could have gotten there, but I thought it was awesome that they saw us this way. They're like, dude, because Ron used to do some stuff with Metallica. I think he was like their tour manager or something. And he was like, I see you guys as the next Metallica. Okay. And I was like, you rule, like, right. I'm working with you. Right, right, um, right. And he was just kind of like, you know, like, he's like, there's no, he's like, I'm sure every other label you're talking to wants to like push you guys to radio and they see how huge you're, like how fast you're growing and like you guys can be massive. He's like, I don't see it that way. I think we should put this record out, kind of let it do its thing and then, you know, kind of keep growing from there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, he's like, my ideal, my ultimate vision would be like, you guys get so big that like, you know, your shows get so big and, the, and your audience gets so big that you have to go to radio after that because it's not necessarily like you're trying to be on the radio, but more that your fans are asking the it's radio. demanding, right, right, yeah. right. So I was like, that's awesome. You know, like, sounds like a good plan. This is great. You right. know, this is a good team to be with. If I have to go to a label because the rest of the band wants to go to a label, like, I'm comfortable here. Sure. So we ended up doing that. Then... Uh, Capital kind of like folded up its rock department and we got moved over to EMI mm-hmm. uh, or Virgin. Virgin, yeah. And uh, there was like, the guy at Virgin was just a total tool. Um, just didn't get where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, it was like, there, and there was, and then there was three rock bands on Virgin. It right. was Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Right. 30 Seconds to Mars. Right. And Us. Right. Which are, in my opinion, are 
we could I feel like we couldn't be farther apart from those two bands. Sure, I feel yeah. like they're very kind of like radio driven. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, they don't come from a scene. They came from yeah. just being a large rock band. Right? Yeah, right. So you know they so the label saw us and they were like, man, your first record sold four hundred thousand records. Like you guys are going to be as big as Thirty Seconds to Mars on the second record. It's <laughs> right. got to be like we need radio hits. And I was just like, dude, our band cannot do that. You know, like we can't. We're not wired like that. I don't know if you've ever seen us live, but like we can't pull the shit off. (laughs) Right, 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 right. um, You know, so it was like, I don't think that we can do the things to get there. Like we can't do like, you know, Conan. We can't do like Jimmy Kimmel. Like, you know, I'd rather people not see us, you know, and like. Buy the record. Right, right, right. Like, but there's no way I'm going on national TV and like. Kind of embarrassing ourselves for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, You know, so at that point they still didn't believe it. And they were like, no, no, you're going to be huge. So then we had to go back in and like, you know, meet with like all these different producers to like, try to like, you know, produce some of the songs as like more radio friendly. So, you know, and then at at one point they started having me and like our bass player go in and like do like co-writes with people. Right. And that was probably like the most degrading thing of my entire life. Right. Um, Just to have someone come in and, you know, try to, try to, take something that is like so sacred to you yeah. you know um at least for me music was one of the only things i ever really really cared about sure, you know what i mean like, valued, right, right yeah right. there can be dying kids in like <laughs> some other country you know and i'm just like <laughs> i'm just go. like i got a sick riff man yeah, right. yeah like yeah. like whatever you do don't fuck with this riff you know what i mean like <laughs> totally like and that's kind of that's how that's how close impo- it was important it was to me you know like right. on a on a comparison sure so um not saying that those kids aren't important. Of it's course, just, you know, right. they're very up there, but it's like, it's just for whatever right. reason, this is first. Right. You know? Yeah. That's, that's your default yeah. mode. Sure. Yeah. It was, it's like, it's like wife, kid, riff. Riff. Totally. So, and even then, I don't know, sometimes that the is, wife and interchangeable. riff. Yeah, 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 like yeah, the top three, as long as they're that top three, that's cool. Yeah. It's fine. Um, it doesn't matter the order. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so you have people coming in and like, you know, oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that riff you just wrote, um, I don't really see how people are going to relate to that. Uh, how about this? You know, and it's like they would just kind of like pull out like a Blink-182 kind of like very standard thing. Right. And it's like, you know, it's like, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's catchy and it's poppy. But like, that's not what our band does. Right. No, um, at least to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure that like my perspective of the band was was much cooler than the band actually was. <laughs> right. But. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because obviously you are so close to the band that you it, it's difficult to get perspective. And so you can see where sometimes those situations may help. But the thing that they could help you with is not what they were trying to have you do because they right. were trying to have you be something that you essentially weren't. And that's yeah. that's like it, that's obviously reflective of the record. Like yeah. the record is just like, you know, like I, I still I, I can't remember the last time I tried to listen to it. But it was it's one of those things where it's like there are moments where I feel like it like you guys shine through. And then it's like, oh, yeah, then there's that thing like that yeah. I could tell is just like sort of shoehorned in there. Like right. it doesn't feel like you guys. And right. like I'm sure that's like. So after you started to go through all that process, like, was it, was the whole thing just kind of like, God, this is miserable going through this. Yeah. The whole, the whole, I mean, most of the experience, like as far as making the record was great. Right. Um, like we got to go up. You guys went up to the morning view house, right? Or whatever. No, no, uh, not the morning view house. It was like, it was even radder than that. <laughs> right. Um, it was this house, it was called the document room. It's not there anymore. Oh, okay. Um, but it was like this huge, like multi-million dollar mansion, like in Malibu on a hill that overlooked the beach, you know, and we got to go up there with like someone that I really respected, Butch Walker. Right. And I think he's awesome. Yeah. So it, it was like, dude, you did like a, 
you know, on top of all the Marvelous Three and like all his stuff. Yeah. It's like, man, you did like a, uh, it's like a new metal band with a black singer. Um, Seven Dust? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Seven, Seven Dust. Dust yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he did a Seven Dust record and I was like, that thing sounds awesome. Right. You know, like, and actually that Seven Dust record is actually pretty cool. Right, right. Um, <laughs> You're like, I identify with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, so we went up there and I thought it was a great experience. Um, but like the label just didn't think that like the stuff was like where they needed it to be for radio. Right. So um, you basically turned in a full record. Yeah. This, for then, a second time, right? Technically. Yeah. Because like you yeah. had a full record at Hurley, turned it in, no dice, co-writing sessions, put you in this crazy house. Yeah. Turned in another record, no dice again. Yeah. Like they just basically kept shooting down most of the songs. Yeah. It just, it started out as Seosin, <laughs> right. you know, like what we wanted. <laughs> right. And then it turned into like, you know, okay, now with someone with an outside perspective, you know, and then it was like from there, I think we did two songs with John Feldman. Mm-hmm. And then those were like getting farther away from what we wanted. Right, right. And then uh, we did another song with like maybe Matt Squire or some, I don't know, some dude that I yeah, yeah, yeah. care less about. Just didn't get, yeah, <laughs> yeah. didn't get along with. Was, um, this was a terrible experience. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, I think in that, dude, that was like the worst thing ever. Um, it was Matt Squire. Okay. He can't, cause he did some work on like the Katy Perry, I kissed a girl oh. rock remix or something like okay. that. And he came in and he was like, yo guys, I got this idea. And he's like, you guys mind if I use some stuff that like I already recorded or you want me to like track some new stuff for you guys? And we're like, whatever, man. Right. And he pretty much played me like the bed of music for I kissed a girl. And he was like, yeah, so I got this melody and it's like, and it was just like. You're, you've got to be joking me right now. Like right. I'm sitting in a room with a producer that's wanting us to sing over Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. Like, like, how did we get here? What? Right. This is the, if there's a low point, this is it. Yeah. This I, is I, I, I was feel. just like, why am I even doing this? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I can be at home. <clears throat> right, like, right. I could be at home recording a band that I actually like. <laughs> right. Like this is garbage. Right, right. right. Um, um, so we did that after the songs with Feldman and then that song. Uh, the label was finally like, okay, I think we got something. I think here. we got the pieces here. Yeah, yeah. But it should be noted that like we, like we kicked and screamed like going into that. You know, it was like, no, we don't want to do that. Yeah. And the label at the point, and this is another, I guess, band advice: uh, don't yeah. wait too long to do uh, your your next record in between records because yep. I think we had like been touring for like almost three years straight. You guys toured that record. To, I mean, someone yeah. argued to death. Yeah. 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 So we had been touring for like almost three years straight. <laughs> and uh, at that point, it was like, dude, we need to put out a new record. Yeah. And so the label kind of like had us uh, up against the wall because it was like, all right, cool. Well, uh, if there aren't any singles on here, then the record's not coming out. Yeah, we're shelving that. Thing. Yeah, we have, like we have no problem just not letting it come out because it's not worth it for us. Like, absolutely we, not. We can't spend the money to release this unless there's going to be like a big million dollar of thing course. on it. You know, right. and we were just like, we're screwed. You yeah. know, and because we were like, you know, and of course the band, it was like, well, we can't tour unless we have a new record. Of course, you know, right. so we need to do. You this. saw, you you're yeah. like, we need to put the oil and gas in the machine in order right. to keep that going. Sure. So yeah, you were backed in a corner. You released the record, and obviously it was met with with you know tepid results, like no, right. was, you know whatever a song or two that made it into your set. Yeah. Like as far as like what people but were you excited know what, about. The weirdest thing about that though is yeah. I was at a uh, I was at an In Flames show, okay, which is like one of my favorite bands, mm-hmm. and uh, singer for In Flames, okay, like it's Anders, 
maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And I'm talking with him and he was like, dude, In Search for Solid Ground is amazing. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, what? And I was just like, yeah, real funny. Like, right. real funny. I get it. I get it. Like, cool. Yeah, you're like, where's the joke? I'm like, dude, we know each other, but like, not that well. You know what I mean? Like, right. Don't put this I love lost. your band, but like, don't push it. Right. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> totally, totally. No, I mean, there actually wasn't that much dialogue exchanged, but you right. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just like, dude, he's like, and I'm like, yeah, real funny. He's like, dude, no, seriously. And he like showed me his phone. And he's like, I warm up to this song every night. Wow. And I was like, right. Yeah, people, I mean, yeah, I'm people, like, that's crazy. Right. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I don't even like this. Right. No one, no one comes up to me as the entry point for Seosin being like, dude, this is my jam. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about a deep cut off of Search for Solid Ground. Yes. But what's funny though is like now looking back at that record, I can actually listen to it. You know what it reminds me of is the used second record. Okay. Yeah, when yeah. that record came out, I was like, Fuck these dudes. <laughs> this sucks so bad. Totally. This is like fucking Backstreet Boys. Right, right. You know? This is something. Yeah. yeah. And, but like now, like that's one of my favorite used records. Um, right. I'm like, dude, yeah, yeah, that yeah. record is awesome. Yeah. Sometimes you need that, that distance in space. Yeah. Like it didn't make sense for you guys commercially at the time and like further the band's career because obviously that was kind right. of the nail in the coffin. But you can look back on it and be like, oh, that wasn't like, that wasn't as bad as I right. was. Right. Well, and it's it like, you know, Looking back, I'm like, oh, it's actually, I, I, and now I actually enjoy listening to it. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's yeah. like, oh, this is like a good listen. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. not like, it's definitely not like a, it's kind of like not the same band as like the first record. Yeah. You know? It's tough to view um, those two, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Side by side, by side, it's like, it's, it, you wouldn't be able to like really trace the lineage between right. the two as easy as one might expect with a band's like second LP or whatever. Right. Uh, obviously, like you said, recording has been such an important part of your life and something you've, you know, you've, you've focused on. Is it, is it one of those things like the sheer, uh, ability to like create with somebody because like you know when you know when you record with bands like you don't you're not an engineer like on any stretch of the imagination like if it's a mix if it's anything like you're diving in with the band that's just always been kind of who you are with recording bands like you're not simply just kind of like oh I just want to push some buttons with you yeah that's not fun for me right <laughs> um, yeah I want to be a part of it I need to be in there creating you know and like I need to be part of that team you know and i maybe there's a part of me that needs that kind of like and i think the band probably met a lot of that uh filled a lot of that for me you know like i need to have that kind of like pat on the back and like oh you're awesome you right, know what I mean? right Val validation yeah yeah i need to have that so when i'm in the room with you know five dudes in a band it's like it's funny because that was something that someone would always ask me too it was like you know do you do you like playing in a band or, or like do you like performing shows or do you like being in the studio more and right. i'm like well it's like you know, a couple thousand people singing your songs, like that's awesome. Is right. is rad, but that's the same to me as like four dudes sitting on my couch telling me that like I've just like made their life. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like I, each one is like equally great, but in different ways. You of know course, what I mean? right, right. And in some ways, like the four dudes sitting on the couch is, is even more uh, real to me. You mm -hmm. know, because like we've all experienced it. We've all gone down the same. We all like kind of sweat and bled. Yeah, yeah, a ton. and then, and you and you get you rather than the sort of like universal like we're raising our arms clapping like you get that direct like yeah. eye to eye contact of like that. Thank you so much for doing right. that yeah, for yeah. us or whatever. Yeah, rather than just like the oh yeah, there's like a bunch of people out there and like that was cool, but like right. yeah, that 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 intimate connection that you're able to create. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the last thing I want to hit on was the. Um, 
obviously where Seosin stands like now and currently where you guys, obviously you've done reunion shows with, with Anthony and you know, he's made it clear that you guys are obviously like writing new material and stuff like that. Like what, what excites you about that from that perspective? Is it just the fact that like you now you, you actually can have your cake and eat it too. Right. Where like you don't have to tour. Like you can play spot shows and right. like do what you guys want to do when offers make sense and then release music as you f- see fit. Right. Um, do you feel like that? Like that's kind of like what you've been working towards. Like you feel like it's like, okay, I know now Sayosin has arrived. Like now I feel like in, in, in the best spot possible for you personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that's, I think we're, we are in the best place possible. I wish all bands would be in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but what I mean is we don't have to do it. You know what I mean? Like we're not treating it like it's a job. We're treating it like a hobby. Yep. So for for me, it's it's personally, it's like I have no interest in doing the band unless it's going to be fun and unless it's going to be something that I'm proud of. Sure. And I wish that like more bands would follow that, you know, kind of motto because I feel like so much crap is being released, you know, just even on the whole thing of like, well, man, I need... Uh, I need to make money somehow mm-hmm. and like metalcore is huge right now. So I'm going to start a metalcore band. Right. You know? I see. Yeah. I see that. I see the business plan before I see yeah. the actual, um, the actual creation of the music that you want to write yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's like, dude, I've got like 500,000 friends on Facebook. I mean, it's like it, the next logical step is to start a band. Of course. You know? totally, totally. I have my own clothing line. Right. Obviously, may as well start a band. Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, one follows the other. Either, either you start a clothing line and then a band or you start a band and then a clothing. Yeah. Either way. They're hand in hand. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean like I think we're in a great spot because you know, the music is coming from a spot the same as like the first EP and the first record. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, it's like we're just in here jamming on songs. And there's like, yeah, there's no, cool. there's no pressure. Yeah. There's no pressure to release a record. Right. You know, it's, it's almost like we're putting pressure on ourselves to like, okay, guys, like, I realize that we don't have to do this, but, like, we probably should because I'd like these song ideas to see the light of day sometime before I'm, like, right. a, a grandfather. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. These these 20 Seosin songs that yeah. have been kicking around in my hard drive, like, let's get that out there to the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it just excites me from just a, you know, friend-to-friend perspective to obviously be, like, where you're at, where it's like, like I said, you're, you know, you have, you're rooted in real life. You can do these sort of surreal things, like, playing shows and doing all this other stuff, but then you can ultimately do the thing that ultimately gives you the most creative, um, creative freedom of just being like, Oh, I just want to want to make stuff. You right. Know? Cause I, I don't think everybody, not everybody obviously has that luxury or even has the desire to be like, oh, I want to create stuff. Like right. it's this weird thing where you're just like people like you and I are like, well, no, we got like, we got to, that's like part of our DNA, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember also too, like even it's kind of funny and it's a little sad too. Like I remember in, <laughs> Like so many, you know, interviews you get as, you know, like a starting out band, yep. you just get like the worst questions ever, you of know, course. like, like, you know, it's like Tina's, Tina's WordPress blog, right, you right, know right. what I mean? And it's <laughs> like, so if you weren't in a band, what, what would you would be you doing? Do? Yeah. yeah, of course. And it was just funny. Cause like, I remember Cove answering one time, he's like, I'd probably be like delivering pizzas, you know? And it's sad because I think that is what he's doing now. Right. And, but for me, it was always like, you know like what do you mean like what if like there is no like there is no right this this is surreal this is something that i can't like this is just what i would be what i would be doing i'm doing music like there is no i'm going to be doing music one way or the other this is what i'm this is what i'm meant to do 
Right. This is no plan. There's there's no quote unquote plan B. Yeah. Like this is it. Yeah. The creation like not, of stuff. Yeah. I'm not doing this because like I couldn't find a job, you know, or like because I thought it would be cool right. to like be in be in a band and like or because I wanted to get out of California. And let me touch on that for a minute. <laughs> um, which is funny because you being from Southern California yeah. probably realizes, and it's it's kind of funny to me seeing like, uh, and I think we take it for granted because we live here. Yeah. But like, it's always funny to me hearing the stories of like, you know, like you hear these big rock bands like, man, I just had to get out of Jersey. Of you know what I mean? And you're just like, I have never once thought about getting out of California. <laughs> Those words have never yeah. uttered, there was, as a sentence, have never come out of my mouth. Yeah. Every time I leave California, all I can do is just hurry up and get back. Right. You know, it's Absolutely. like in the summer or winter, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, I just need to get back home because it's awesome here. Right. And That's why we live here. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's it. it everybody that tours through here is like, oh, I want to move here. And you're like, yeah, I know you do. Yeah. Every, everybody does. Of course. Like yeah. that makes complete sense. Yeah. Like for you guys, it's great to go on tour and come through California. For me, it sucks to leave. Right. You know, <laughs> like, for me, I have to mobilize, yeah. like mentally prepare myself to leave California. Yeah. It's great for you guys. You get to visit for four or five days and then be bummed when you go back to, you know, Jersey or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we did it, Bo. And I, I appreciate you being so honest and open with yeah. me. It's been fun. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. That was Bo. That was his journey. That was his experience. I really, really appreciated him being able to kind of like put him out, put himself out on a limb there and be like, hey, this is uh, who I am as a person. And this is what I experienced. And this is uh, kind of the flaws and all, so to speak. So thank you very much to Bo. And if you want to find out more information on him, visit his website, BoRochelle.com. And if you're a band looking to record, hit me up because I take care of that. <laughs> Anyways, the producer, as always, is Tom Richfield, my best friend forever. Visit the website 100wordspodcast.com. Email the show. Emails have been a little slow recently, so I'd like to connect with some of you again. And I, I want some guest ideas, you know, because I, 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 I'm just operating all on my own. And so anytime I'm able to have some input, I always appreciate that. I'm, I'm so excited to just bring you all the shows in April. They're such an amazing slate of guests. I can't wait to reveal. So anyways, until next week, be safe, everybody. 